You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Well, good afternoon, everyone. It's uh, good to have you with me, as usual. And uh, next week, by the way, I'm going to have a very special guest on the guy named Roy Barone, who has been had his own radio talk show and has a very good magazine out. And he is a, a staunch conservative, has a lot of good things to say. He's also a form of military intelligence and is connected with a lot of military intelligence sources and other sources through the CIA and this sort of thing. So he's going to have a lot to say uh, about the situation we have with ISIS and with our general situation here in, this United, in the United States with the open border and uh, ISIS coming across, terrorists coming across, drug dealers coming across. And by the way, I'm watching very closely what happened in Ohio because the people that were killed there were all members of the same family. They were killed in four locations, execution style, and they were all involved in growing marijuana. This looks like a cartel hit. Now, if that's the case, if we've got cartel members in this country who are going to go around killing their competition, then that means that the open border policy of the Obama administration is going to cause more chaos than we already suspected. Because the cartels, we know they're operating in the southern part of the country, but now they're operating apparently all the way up to Ohio. Now, I could be wrong here, but I suggest everybody keep an eye on this because I think that's what we've got. I think we have a drug cartel hit on a bunch of people that were apparently unarmed, unable to protect themselves, and died because they were in competition with the Mexican drug cartels. The same thing could be happen, start happening anytime in California where people are growing so-called medical marijuana. It could be happening in other states uh, where the medical marijuana is, is legal, like Colorado. So I think that the Obama policy of an open border is opening up, uh, us up to terrorism of all kinds. We're going to get caught up in the same situation Mexico's in, where you have drug dealers and drug cartels using hit squads to take out competition and eventually probably take out law enforcement. So all of Obama's chickens are coming home to roost. And you know what's scary to me? Is all of a sudden the guy is extremely popular again. Well, I can't say extremely popular, but his popularity, his approval rating as president is the highest it's been in his second term. Approval rating for a guy who just went to Saudi Arabia and bowed to the leaders of Saudi Arabia who are not good friends of ours, who run a country where women have no rights whatsoever, who the place where homosexuals are executed if they're uncovered. All of the things that Obama upholds supposedly in this country you know, the discrimination, he calls it, against the LGBT community and, you know, discrimination of the people that are in favor of uh, traditional marriage as opposed to gay marriage. 
and women's rights, supposedly, all of those stop at our border. He doesn't push for any of this in any other country. Now, he does go to England and lecture the English people on how they should vote to stay in the European Union because Obama wants them to. Not because it's a good idea for England. In fact, it's a bad idea. They should get out of the European Union. But Obama doesn't want that because Obama is a internationalist. He eventually envisions himself as emperor of the world. And he treats other countries like that. So he goes and he bows to the dictator in Saudi Arabia, but goes to England, which used to be our best ally, and he's done everything he could to, to destroy that relationship ever since he became president. I mean, this, this guy, the first thing he did, well, the first things he did when he got in the White House was order the bust of Winston Churchill return to England. This was a gift from the English people to the people of the United States following World War II, and he hated that bust. And that's because he hates England. And that's because he's Kenyan. He was born in Kenya. He wasn't born in the United States. I'm sorry, but, you know, that sounds politically incorrect, but that's what I believe. And he has always been someone who looked at England as being a colonialist, colonialist country, and England should not be a friend of the United States. England should be punished for their past transgressions. Just like the people of the United States need to be punished, according to Obama, for the fact that we once had slavery in this country. Forget about the fact that the Civil War was fought to abolish slavery. Forget about the fact that the president who ultimately did abolish slavery was a Republican and not a Democrat. Forget about the fact that the 1964 Civil Rights Act was passed primarily by Republicans in Congress because most of the Democrats, King of the Southern Democrats, opposed it. So forget history, forget the truth. Obama believes that all white Americans should be punished because our ancestors may have once owned slaves. He wants the Confederate flag taken down. He succeeded in that. We can't talk about our history. We can't talk about our families anymore. We can't talk about traditions that belong uniquely to the South. All of that's politically incorrect. And political correctness is quickly destroying all vestiges of free speech in this country. My great-great-great-grandfather, J.T. Kennedy, was a sergeant in the 5th Alabama Regiment of the Confederate Army. <clears throat> he died at Gettysburg. By the time they got to Gettysburg, even though he was a sergeant, he was a company commander because all the officers had been killed. He climbed up on a rail fence and tried to lead charge. And he was shot in the temple. He died instantly. <clears throat> Am I ashamed of him? No, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him, and I'm proud of what he, he fought for, what he believed in. And, by the way, that was not slavery, as far as I know. 
he was not a slave owner. He was a school teacher in Alabama, and he owned a small old farm. Never owned a slave. Don't know if he believed in slavery or not. Don't think he. That's what he was fighting for. He was fighting because his state, which he was very loyal to, in his part of the country, was being clobbered by the states of the North. By the way, where slavery had existed also, <clears throat> and they still had a form of slavery going on, it was called indentured servants, and that was mostly my ancestors, the Irish, who were caught up in that. They came over from Ireland, and their passage was paid by their employer, would tell them, okay, you have to work for me until you pay off the cost of your passage. They were put in the factories, were under dangerous conditions for the most part, and they were given money, they were paid on a weekly basis, a very small amount of money, which they could only spend to buy groceries and this sort of thing at the company store. So they never could save up enough money to pay off their employer for their passage. So they were called indentured servants. In fact, they were slaves. But I'm proud of my ancestors who fought for the Confederacy, and I'm proud of my ancestors who fought for the North. Because J.T. Kennedy was on my mother's side of the family, the Connollys, who fought for Iowa and Ohio regiments, were on the other side, my father's side of the family. I don't feel like I need to be ashamed of my ancestry. And I certainly don't feel like I should be ashamed of the founding fathers because some of them may have owned slaves. The fact of the matter is that they set up a great country here, a country that has survived over 200 years, but is now is, now is in grave danger of being thrown by the wayside. All in the name of political correctness, all in the name of so-called inclusiveness, all in the name of socialism. And let's face it, we have a socialist candidate running for president. And he's not really a socialist, he's more a communist, because he was very enamored with the former Soviet Union. And then we have Hillary Clinton, who is a career criminal, but also in favor of socialism for all intents and purposes. She can't even tell the difference when asked the difference between the Democratic Party and socialism. Because there is none. The political inclusive ideology, the political correctness, means that you and I cannot believe in the traditional things that we've always believed in. We cannot believe in the Constitution that is somehow racist. We cannot believe in what our founding fathers built that is somehow racist or that offends the gay community. You know what? I'm probably the most politically incorrect person you will ever know. I basically don't like anybody. And when I say that, I don't like anybody who wants to destroy my country who wants to diminish our freedoms. 
And I don't care what color they are, whether they're black, white, yellow, or purple. I don't care what their sexual orientation is. Somebody is a homosexual, that's up to them. What they do in their own bedroom, it's none of my business. I don't care about it. But don't tell me that I have to accept gay marriage or I'm being a homophobic. Don't tell me I have to accept the Muslim religion as being a religion of peace without being called Islamophobic. Don't tell me that political correctness causes me to accept transgenders. How many people do we have in this country that are truly transgender that think they are trapped in a body of the opposite sex, but they're actually female and they think they're male or vice versa? The estimate is less than 3% or three-tenths of 1%. Yet all of a sudden, they have constitutional rights according to the National Basketball Association, according to the Disney Company. And by the way, that breaks my heart because we used to go to Disney all the time and uh, wanted to take my grandkids there. But let's take our first break now. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. The reason I'm talking about the so-called transgender community is because of the fact that, again, they have been elevated 
by the politically correct crowd, by the liberals, by the progressives, the Democrats, into a special class of people who are somehow better than the rest of us and are being discriminated for that. I mean, we have Bruce Jenner, who was declared a hero for announcing that he was now Caitlin, that he was a female in a male's body. He received an award from ESPN. He's not a hero. I know heroes. My sons who are in the military are heroes. All the people who are in the military are heroes. The people in the police departments around the country and the fire departments around the country, they're heroes. The EMTs were heroes. Bruce Jenner, whatever thing he thinks he is, is not a hero. And he's not entitled to special status. Yet, again, you have the Disney Company, who is attacking North Carolina, for example, and Georgia, for basically saying that we don't accept transgender bathrooms. We think that people who own businesses and opposed homosexual marriages on the grounds of religious belief should have those beliefs protected and they could do business with who they want to do business with. Then he says, no, you can't do that. We're going to punish you for that. National Basketball Association says we're going to punish you for that. Other major corporations tell the states in the United States we're going to punish you for that. All these same corporations do business in other countries with other countries where homosexuals can be executed for being homosexual, where women are often treated as property. Yet somehow they are going to lecture us on our morality, lecture us on what we can believe and what we cannot believe. Target is a prime example. And I, the American Family Association has a petition, a pledge, basically, of people who have pledged never to shop at Target again because of their recent coming out and saying, we're going to have, for our employees and for our customers, all bathrooms open to anybody who wants to use them. If it's a woman's bathroom and some guy decides, hey, today I'm going to be a really feel like a woman. I really want to go in there and I will expose myself to some little girls in that bathroom because I feel like a woman. I'm going to do that. And Talia says, okay, you're one of the three-tenths of one percent of the people in the country who claim to be transgender. And actually, he's probably just a pedophile, but Talia doesn't care about that. So we're going to protect your interests in our stores over and above the interest of women and young girls to have the use of a women's bathroom without being interfered with by some male, without being exposed to some male who wants to expose himself. That's what Target said. Fine. Disney can say, we're going to boycott Georgia for protecting religious freedom. 
well, I'm going to boycott Target, and I have signed the pledge for not protecting my children, my grandchildren. Target will never, ever get my business again. And you go to the American Family Association website, and you can sign your name on that. They have over 750,000 people that have signed up already in just a matter of a couple of days. I encourage all of my listeners to do the same. I'm fed up with being told what I have to do, what I have to think, what I have to believe. Yet, ladies and gentlemen, that's what we have coming in this country. That's what we have existing in this country now to a certain extent. And Obama is going to make it worse before he leaves the White House. And if Hillary Clinton is elected to replace him, she's going to make it worse also. She will not only continue Obama's policies, she will launch a further all-out attack on freedom in this country. But before we go into Hillary, who I have never liked Hillary Clinton, I never liked Bill Clinton, I thought they were both corrupt, I thought they were both career criminals, as I said, let's face it, they were both disbarred, they both lost their law licenses. Yet now, she wants to be President of the United States. But first, before we get into that, let's talk about what Obama's doing while he reaches, you know, with popularity that he receives. People are not paying attention to what he's actually doing. And the national news media is not paying attention to what he's actually doing because they like it. We have three treaties now being put into effect in this country and worldwide. Three treaties signed by the President of the United States and his Secretary of State that have never been ratified by the United States Senate. The Constitution of the United States clearly requires that any treaty or any purpose entered into by the President of the United States Before it can go into effect, it must be ratified by a two-thirds majority of the United States Senate. That was designed to protect our nation from becoming a dictatorship by some internationalist who put the interest of other countries ahead of the interest of the United States of America. That's what that provision is all about. Obama has signed the United Nations Small Arms Treaty. He has never, he did this over a year ago, had John Kerry signed it over a year ago. It has never been submitted to the United States Senate for ratification. He doesn't ever intend to submit it for ratification because it won't be ratified. But he's already started implementing it in the United States. Now, how's he doing that? Well, one of the key provisions is requiring that all firearms firearms be registered, their owners be registered, and that that information be provided to the United Nations. So if you own a firearm and it is registered, then your name and address 
and vital information goes to a United Nations committee that has no interest in protecting your Second Amendment right, keeping your arms, no interest in protecting any of your constitutional rights for that matter. All of this is being done under the radar. Here's what's happening. When you go to legally purchase a firearm, you have to fill out a form so a background check can be done on you. This is, they'll check you against the so-called NICS list, the National Instant Criminal Background Checklist. By the way, you can be put on that list for virtually any reason these days. Veterans are being put on the list. Senior citizens are being put on the list. Anytime you go to purchase a firearm, you may be denied simply because you're a veteran or a senior citizen. And we may talk or have time to talk about that more later, but I think we've talked about it before so people know what's happening. But the law, the federal law that created this list and this pr- procedure for doing background checks requires specifically that the form you fill out be destroyed within 72 hours, both by the dealer and by the federal government, whether it's the form is, was done electronically or otherwise. The federal government is not allowed under law to keep a record of your firearm purchase. Ladies and gentlemen, that's been done for years. They're keeping those records. The FBI is not destroying those forms. They're going into a national registry, and they are being used to comply with the provisions of the United Nations Treaty that Obama has signed but has never been ratified by the United States Senate. There are other provisions of that treaty which he's going to be implementing, that includes more restrictions on things like semi-automatic weapons, size of magazines. He's going to be doing more of this before he leaves office. And that's one reason it's so important to him to have Hillary as president following him, because she will not undo any of the illegal acts he does. She will just pile on with more illegal executive orders of her own. The small arms treaty is one. We've talked here before about the Iranian treaty, which, the unfortunately, the Republican leadership in Congress acquiesced to the president not having to submit this treaty for ratification by the Senate, but being able to do something totally unprecedented, submit it on a, for a negative vote in the House and Senate, and if the Senate and House voted it down, then the president could veto that. That turns Article One, Section 7 of the Constitution completely on its head. That section of the Constitution allows the president to veto legislation passed by Congress. It doesn't allow him to veto legislation defeated by Congress or to reverse that decision until now. The Republicans agreed to this, and the establishment Republicans in the House and the Senate, they don't seem to understand the anger that's out there right now among Republican voters. 
the reason they're going overwhelmingly for an outsider, Donald Trump, because we were promised by Republicans that if they took over the House, if they took over the Senate, they would reverse what Obama was doing, and they would stop him in his tracks from issuing new executive orders. They have done exactly the opposite. Let's take our second break now. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So we have the Iranian Treaty, which is illegal. It is, in fact, a treaty. But the Congress allowed the president to submit it as an executive agreement, which totally violates the Constitution. And the Iranians started violating the treaty almost the minute it was signed. And they took it one step further. They rubbed our noses in it. They basically told Obama, we're not going to comply, comply with all the provisions of the treaty. We're going to continue to test ballistic missiles in violation of UN resolutions. We're going to continue to develop certain nuclear energy programs, including nuclear weapons. And basically they have been told that's okay by the president just wait 10 years, and then you can go ahead and bomb Israel with nuclear weapons or bomb the United States. Yeah, good negotiating, Mr. Obama, Mr. Kerry. So they said they're going to violate it, so what are we doing? What kind of sanctions is the president putting back on Iran? What kind of leverage is he using to try to force them to abide by the terms of the treaty? None. In fact, he's going to reward them. They already are receiving over $150 billion in money that was seized, Iranian assets that were seized, 
They're receiving that money back. They're going to be using it for terrorism, to support terrorism. John Ernest, the habitual liar, who was the professional Obama bot, who was the press secretary for Obama, admits, and spokesman for the State Department admit, that they have no idea where this money's going. They don't know if it's being used to support terrorism or not. I know it's they're going to be supporting terrorism. And now they're going to get more money. See, one of the provisions of the treaty was that Iran had to eliminate much of its stockpile of heavy water. Now, heavy water is used to produce nuclear material. It can be used for nuclear weapons. It can be used for peaceful purposes. But the treaty called for Iran to get rid of some of it. They haven't done it. So what's the president done? Is he going in and telling the Iranians, you have to comply with the provisions of the treaty? You have to get rid of this heavy water? He's saying, no, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll buy it from you. We will use American taxpayer money to the tune of over $8.5 million to buy this water from you that you are supposed to have gotten rid of but haven't done so. So we're going to reward you for violating the treaty. That's who this president is. That's who John Kerry is. That's who Hillary Clinton is. We are sponsoring a country that is only the largest state sponsor of terrorists in the world. Hundreds of American soldiers actually thousands, were killed and wounded in Iraq by weapons supplied by the Iranians to the insurgents, by IEDs, by automatic weapons, even by Iranian troops that were sent in. The President of the United States has rewarded people who were then killing Americans and are indeed still killing Americans around the world. Hillary Clinton will do more of the same. Then we have the most recent treaty signed by the President of the United States who says, I don't have to submit this to the United States Senate. I'm the ultimate power in the United States. I'm a dictator-in-chief. Kyle Obama, give me the salute. He signed the Climate Change Treaty that is going to cost Americans thousands of jobs, cost Americans millions of dollars in increased utility bills, all because of a theory that has now been virtually completely discredited by most reputable scientists, that climate change in this world which routinely happens and has happened throughout history, is somehow being caused by the people of the United States who are using too much energy and not enough clean energy. This treaty puts the multiple burden, most of the burden on the people of the United States. The Chinese are supposed to do certain things. The people in India, the two most polluted countries in the world, are supposed to do certain things, but 
but there's no real requirement that they do it. There's no way to enforce whether or not they do it. But Obama said, we don't care about that. The United States is going to do it. I'm going to put the coal mining industry out of business. You wonder why Trump's doing so good in places like Pennsylvania? Ohio? New York? That's because thousands of Americans have lost their jobs in the coal industry. That doesn't matter to Obama. When he was running for office in 2008, he said he was going to do that. Hillary Clinton agrees with it. She's going to continue those policies. And they're going to do it under a treaty that is not going to be submitted to ratification by the United States Senate. I watch the news pretty carefully. I watch Fox News, but also keep an eye on the news, on other networks. I keep an eye on what's on the Internet. If anybody knows of any statements made by any Republican leader in the House or the Senate condemning the fact that this new treaty has been signed by the president and not submitted to the U.S. Senate as required by the Constitution. Please email me and let me know. Michael at usjfmail.net. Michael at USJF, the United States Justice Foundation, usjfmail.net. I haven't heard of anybody doing it. Where's Paul Ryan? Where's Mitch McConnell? Where's the outrage over Obama again acting outside of the Constitution? Maybe there has been some statements made. Maybe they're just not being reported by the national news media, which wouldn't be surprising. But if you know anything, email me and let me know. Of course, there's more than just the treaties that Obama's using. We also have his executive orders. On gun control, 29 executive orders issued by him on gun control, all of which are unconstitutional. And then we have the amnesty. Now, remember, we were promised that if the Republicans took control of the Senate in 2014, they would reverse Obama's executive order on amnesty, where he basically bypassed the Senate, bypassed the House, bypassed the Constitution, and granted amnesty to 11 million people who are here illegally, who violated our country's laws to come here. And he not only gave them amnesty, but he's put them on a fast track to citizenship and gives them welfare of all sorts. You know, as a, as a matter of fact, people in this country, American citizens, who receive welfare benefits because they're unemployed, often for no reason, fault of their own, they receive less money than the illegals that receive. The illegals get free health care, free food, free housing, free education. They even get toys for their children, all paid for by the taxpayers. 
The Republicans said, we will reverse that if we take control of the Senate. Well, what's happened? Nothing. <clears throat> Why has nothing happened? But we have the majority of votes in the Senate. We have the majority of votes in the House. But see, in the Senate, there's this idiotic rule, the cloture rule, that was agreed to by the leadership in the Senate. It is not in the Constitution. It is not sanctioned by the Constitution. But it requires that 60 senators vote to allow anything to come with the Senate for a final vote in the Senate floor. That means that 42 Democrats can block anything from reaching the Senate for being voted on. That's what happened with the Iranian deal. They were going to vote on the treaty to begin with, but the Democrats blocked it from being voted on at all. That can be done away with at any time. The Democrats used to do away with it all the time to block nominees, the federal courts, federal judgeships, by George Bush, George W. Bush. Mitch McConnell has yet to say that we are going to bring something to a vote on the Senate without the 60-vote cloture rules. They could pass legislation throwing out Obama's executive order on amnesty. They could pass it through the Senate, and then it could pass through the House, and Obama would then have to veto it. And I think there would be a good chance of overriding the veto in, in the House. But the point is, the Congress would be really something. The Republicans in the Congress would be showing the American people, we're doing everything we can. But instead, Mitch McConnell refuses to allow anything to be brought to a vote without the Democrats giving their approval. The Constitution of the United States says that the Senate shall vote on legislation and the House. And in all cases, except for treaties, that legislation can be adopted by a majority of both houses. But suddenly we have a new rule that says, no, we're going to change that. It's a rule adopted by the leadership in the Senate, a rule that can be changed by the leadership in the Senate, yet they're not doing it. So you and I, the American people, are getting screwed, essentially, by our leadership in the Republican Party, by the leadership in the Democratic Party, by the guy in the White House, Secretary of State, by the woman who now wants to be the president, over and over and over again. And the elite Republicans wonder why so many Republicans, grassroots people, are angry out there. Let's take our final break now. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog. 
for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So the Republicans in the House and Senate are not doing anything about the amnesty situation that they promised they would. So who is doing something? Well, you have 26 states out there. And let's face it, this is supposed to be the United States of America. The states, under the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution, are supposed to have the power to stop the president and the federal government from abusing his policy. Governor Greg Abbott of Texas and other governors and attorney generals around the country sued to block the president's amnesty. Why? Because it's unconstitutional. The President of the United States, in the, under the Constitution, is charged with enforcing the laws passed by Congress. No president is given the power to make new laws on their own, to amend existing laws on their own, or to refuse to enforce laws on their own. Yet this president does all the above. And the amnesty situation is a prime example. And what makes it even worse is in the Constitution, specifically, it's stated that all laws and rules and regulations dealing with naturalization, according to the Supreme Court, that includes immigration, all those laws must go through Congress. The President of the United States has no power and no authority to do anything on his own on immigration. But he's done it anyway. And the Republican leadership in the Senate said, okay. And then they look at their constituents out there and they say, why are you people so angry? Why are you voting for Donald Trump, an anti-establishment candidate? Why didn't you vote for dead Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio or Chris Christie? Wake up, people. You're not doing your jobs. That's why people are so angry. But who else is fighting on the amnesty situation? Well, the t- states have filed suit. 
the United States Justice Foundation, the group that I'm executive director of, we joined in with that litigation. We filed an amicus brief, actually two of them, in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, on behalf of ourselves and other organizations that joined with us. And in the Fifth Circuit, first in the district court, the states won. The district court in Texas declared Obama's amnesty unconstitutional for the very reasons that I just talked about. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals did the same, and now it's in front of the Supreme Court. And we filed a brief in the United States Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court has recently been taking notice of our briefs because we filed them in a number of different cases. In one case involving gun rights, something really remarkable happened. Judge Justice Clarence Thomas, who usually, well, for 10 years, has never asked a question during an oral argument, never made a comment on the arguments during an oral argument until recently. And he has to ask a question to the federal solicitor general in this case that the question was based on our brief that we filed. So justices of the Supreme Court, at least some of them, recognize that we know the Constitution, that we have a group of our, our staff members, staff attorneys, who don't work for us full-time, but do work for us on cases like this. They prepare the briefs. They submit them to me for my approval, and then we file them. In other words, we spend most of our money at the United States Justice Foundation on doing what we say we're going to do, and that is protecting and defending the Constitution in the courts, in the news media, through articles, through speeches I make all over the country. And by the way, I'm going to have a speech coming up in Kerrville, Texas, on uh, May 26, and there will be more information coming about, out about that later. But if you live in that area and you want to hear me come out and speak, uh, you can email me at michael at usgfmail.net, and as soon as I get details on the information about time and place, I will let you know. And I'll probably be posting that on my website anyway at uh, www.michaelconnelly.com. That's where you can go to read my blog. That's where you can go to uh, get copies of my books and my booklet on the Constitution, which is becoming more and more important all the time because as we can see by the millennials out there supporting Bernie Sanders and saying, oh, we want free stuff. We're entitled to free stuff. I'm entitled to a safe zone where I don't have to hear anybody exercising their freedom of speech. I need to be protected from being traumatized by those people who support the Second Amendment or oppose gay marriage or believe in religious freedom. I need to be protected from that. That's because they've never read the Constitution. Never read it, never been taught about it, wouldn't understand it if they had been, probably. But a lot of people are buying my booklet so that they can rescue the younger students out there, the ones that are in high school, or even junior high, 
They have not been subjected to all of the political propaganda yet by the left in the schools. People are handing out copies of the booklets. You can order them online on my website at michaelconnolly.jigzy.com or at www.constitution.jigzy.com. There's $6 per copy, but you can get large orders, uh, bulk numbers for a lot less. But go to my website and keep up with what I'm doing. You go to usjf.net. It's like I said, we spend our money. I mean, the amount that I paid for being a CEO, chief executive officer of a nonprofit is far, far below what most nonprofit CEOs are paid. I have a very small staff. We don't spend a lot of money on staff. We don't spend a lot of money on advertising. Except to try to do direct mail solicitation for funds. We rely on small contributions. Progressive insurance, which gives the owner of that gives a million dollars a year to the ACLU to destroy our constitution. We don't get anybody giving us a million dollars a year. Most of our contributions contributions are small. I got one ten thousand dollar contribution recently. We need more like that. But anything you can send us, you go to usjf.net, you can find out how to donate online or find out our mailing address. Because our money is going to fight going to fight for you and for our constitution. Hillary Clinton wants to be president of the United States. She's a disbarred attorney. She's head of the Clinton Foundation, which brings in millions of dollars in foreign donations from people, countries, that have got special treatment while she was Secretary of State, essentially bribes. Where does that money go? Well, less than 15% of that money goes to any charities. Most of it goes directly to the Clintons, so they can maintain their lavish lifestyle. Hillary gets hundreds of thousands of dollars to speak to big banks and groups on Wall Street. And she won't tell anybody what she says to these groups. She's lied about Benghazi, continues to lie about Benghazi lied to the faces of the family members of the people killed at Benghazi on the same day that she had admitted the truth that it was a terrorist attack to her own daughter. As Secretary of State, she broke the law and used email servers, private email servers, that contained classified emails. Emails that put people at risk, people like me. I was a military intelligence officer. I had a top-secret security clearance. I can't talk about it, but I may have had assets in foreign countries. An email that was sent in to Hillary, the Secretary of State, that contained the name of one of those assets, was vulnerable. She didn't care. She lied about whether or not any classified emails went through that server, but we now know that over 2,000 did. Hillary Clinton's, and she repeats it over and over again, 
primary reason for wanting to become president is not to protect this country, not to defend us from ISIS, not to protect the Constitution, but so-called women's issues, meaning I want to continue abortion, make it easier to get. I want to let Planned Parenthood continue harvesting body parts from these aborted babies and selling them. I want there to be equal pay for women, even though the majority of information coming in now is that the equal pay issue is a non-starter. It doesn't exist. There is no real disparity between equal pay for men and women's pay. So we have a woman who's running for president of the United States who wants to be a dictator and wants to follow in Obama's footsteps. That's something that needs to be considered. Ladies and gentlemen, we've run out of time. Again, go to my website at www.michaelconnelly.jigsy.com. You can also access the link to that through America's Web Radio, my show site there. And uh, take a look at what I'm writing about. Take a look at the books I've written. It might be interesting to you. I've got a new novel coming out sometime in the next couple of months. I'll give you more information about that later. Thank you for listening in today, and I look forward to talking to you again next week when I will have a special guest on. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.